You're listening to Were You Still Talking? We're going on. I, we're going on too long. We need to get in. Oh, sorry. It's, sorry. Start, it's not your fault. <laughs> hey, welcome back. It is where you're still talking, and this is Joel Albrick again. Today in my studio, I have April Yanko. She's an actor, writer, overall weirdo. She lives in Los Angeles, recently a transplant from Pittsburgh, where a bulk of her experience has taken place. She has made her TV baby. Try again. I won't edit this. This is behind the scenes stuff. You love this, don't you? <laughs> yes. I made my TV debut on The Reels. She made her TV debut on The Reels channel, playing serial killer Carla Homolka, where she was flown to Dallas to shoot for four days. She's been a brand ambassador for different companies in Pittsburgh and L.A., working many live events, also birthday party princess, working mostly as Rapunzel and Anna. She's done commercial shoots, model shoots, voiceover gigs, a whole ton of jobs within the acting um, uh, field. And of course, gathered many stories along the way. April, how you doing? How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm well. How are you, Joel? <laughs> doing okay. It's, it's, I'm wearing my Hawaii shirt because it's hot. So it's not just because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I like recently just got my air conditioner fixed. So it's like pretty chilly in my house. And I'm like, this is delightful because usually... It's awful and hot and gross. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> we're, quite, we're dressed a little oppositely today. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you, yeah, you are trying to have a sweater on. <laughs> I live in Oregon, so we don't have air conditioning. Well, I, you know, my mom was always very, um, <clears throat> very, I guess, I suppose the word is stingy with air conditioning, but um, if you've ever been to Pennsylvania, the summertime is always very like, it's not the heat, it's the humidity. So the humidity makes it hot, wet, um, hard to breathe, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> like, it's just very unpleasant and the air conditioner definitely helps that, but it's expensive to run. So we we're just like a, an oscillating fan home, one oscillating fan, very not, not, not good. A very sweaty time in Pennsylvania I had <laughs> many a summer. We do have air conditioning here. I <laughs> guess I, I said that kind of wrong. Oregonians do, can get air conditioning. You it's not that small. <laughs> Mostly we don't yeah. need it. I have a portable one for, because I, I've done some, uh, had some studio sessions where I needed air conditioning before, you know, with other people in here. But yeah, I had five fans going this morning. It's going to be in the 90s, which is rare, 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 rare. It's probably going to be hotter than that there. I'm sure, I know recently we've been getting, in LA, it's been getting like 100, 95, 100. And I'm like, ugh, of course. <laughs> I'm glad I'm inside. <laughs> I don't you know, like <laughs> We lived in uh, Mission Hills for a long time. And one summer, it was over 100 for like two months straight. Oh, it was breaking the 100 mark. And we we had air conditioning, but it was really old. So it was extremely expensive. So, you know, we tried not to run it all the time. But yeah, that's, that's the main. Brutal. It was. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, we love the heat. We're nuts. We're nut cases. We really like the heat. So I've just never been. I mean, I also don't like cold, but I, I like very like neutral. Like if I can if I can avoid the sun, I am going to like this is how i would be dressing on the beach if i was forced to go to the beach 
I, I don't like the beach. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. Too so much like, sand. Too much sand and sun much, and too much sun and water. Yeah. And... I just don't like that's I don't know. Inside is nice. This sort of lockdown thing is good for for me <laughs> because I like an excuse to have to stay inside instead of <laughs> oh, okay, well that's understandable. Um, but you're living in the wrong city. <laughs> I yes, I understand uh, that. I, I I understood that through moving here, I was going to have to battle my longtime foe, the sun. But it's okay. It's not the worst. <laughs> I I keep inside as much as I can. You know, don't like. It, it's avoidable sunscreen that's good too i'm definitely that person that will like wear a hoodie in the really really hot weather when i'm outside just to keep covered so i don't have to put like yeah that sort of stuff <laughs> but anyway <laughs> well it's really fashionable to wear big hats again you can wear the big sun hat i uh, you know I mean, that's in vogue again i could do the big sun hat i used to help my dad mow the lawn it at my mom's house um and i would wear a big sun hat and it, i mean like i i would always just wear like whatever light lightweight uh long clothing i could get and also the hat and i looked like a total loser but i mean i don't know i guess it wasn't a big deal i was just mowing the lawn <laughs> yeah exactly no one's gonna see that no <laughs> i prefer to mow the lawn in just my just shorts and a, a pair of shoes that's my favorite. I don't like clothes. That's why I like the heat. I also don't like clothes, but I can do not clothes in the house. In the house. <laughs> yeah. The opposite is not good when you are outside and people are like, whoa. People that's frown not on it. Yeah. <laughs> people frown on it when you're. <laughs> yes, they do. They tend but to. But soon, not... well, I mean, the way things are going, I don't know if anyone will notice in a couple more weeks. But, There's a the kitty. Yes, he here's there Artie. Oh, the there was kitty. his that was his butt. I think we saw a nice visual of his butt. I'm putting him down because he's gonna he gets into the window and he wags his tail and he moves the blinds all around and then they make a lot of noise. <laughs> we don't need that. No, we do not. Good boy. Well now when I post this on YouTube <laughs> I can say it's a cat video and so it'll you get tons of hits. It's, it's a cat video. Oh, yeah. He's just everyone loves a cat video. He's getting antsy when like he's like oh you're doing something but you're not interacting with me how can i be involved and it's like very sweet but also sometimes a little like gotta be quiet this is oh here he's he's accessing the window from where i can't reach him we'll see if i have to move him <laughs> anyway <laughs> so is it just you and the cat um my hey. boyfriend is uh lives here as well his name is justin um he he is currently resting we are on sometimes opposite schedules sometimes he um he works doing like grubhub stuff um there was a time during the beginning more so the beginning of uh quarantine where he and i together would go do like shopify the uh different apps where you shop for somebody else oh right and um yeah. because a lot of, that was becoming very lucrative and now the um food delivery apps are a little better so and that's just like a one person job so i stay home do other types of uh work to 
help pay our bills and then also balance work with like you know myself work on myself <laughs> but that, and, uh, for your yeah. industry for what you do that's a big part big part of it people probably don't realize <laughs> back before you were born they had uh, they had studio there was something called studios and they had contracts oh, people yeah, would that's... have a contract at a studio and a big part of their job was literally to take care of themselves you know they would have to go to swimming they would have to go to uh uh, ballet classes, they, all these different things. So that that's a big part of the the craft, as they put yeah. it, the craft. It, the craft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a big part of that. And I mean, I think um, more so, what I'm spending time on isn't necessarily craft, um, like practice, but um, business related to the industry like getting materials of mine in order, um, promoting myself, researching um, people that I might need to know in the future, and then like trying to make connections with those people, like all that kind of stuff. Um, that's where a lot of my focus has been this past year living here in Los Angeles because um, I'm a part of a group that um, focuses a lot on that and I recognize that you know, a lot of people can be like, you know, very talented, so, so worthy of, you know, getting into the projects that they audition for, but you have to be able and um, capable. I, I, that's the same thing. You have to be <laughs> um, like business savvy as well as savvy with your talent because that's going to really set you apart and save a lot of time just spinning my wheels. I think that makes uh, really good sense. Actually, it's something I noticed when I was researching you. In other words, <laughs> looking on the internet, uh, that you do do a lot of self-promotion stuff, which I know, um, I mean, I know from my own experience, I really have a hard time with it. And I think a lot of creative people have a really hard time with it. Um, what have you always done that is that just come natural or have there have people have there been people that have kind of said you know you really ought to do more of this or more of that or well it still definitely doesn't come like comfortably i suppose like i i always feel like when um somebody has you know some sort of a product a business a um a clear um you know shtick i suppose they i feel like there are lots of models for like, oh, this person is, um, like this person does um, fitness stuff. Okay, like what do I like to see when I'm doing fitness stuff? This is what I would do for my own. But when it comes to um, actor stuff, who are the actor people that I like to see? Oh, well, they're the people who I know from TV. They're the people that people are following because they're, you know, popular. They've like got that, that audience, they've pulled you for whatever reason, and now you just are interested in the thing that they do. So I think about like, okay, well, what can I do to make some random person be like, oh, hey, you know, you're not just some person that's like posting a bunch of random pictures of yourself, like, like, you know, whatever. I, that's, to me, like, that's just not very fun and not very interesting. And, um, also, I feel like I don't know if I could do that a lot and like feel 
like I'm not being um, satirical, I guess, in some way. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just okay, sure. it's not fun to do that. Yeah. It feels creepy in a way to me. And I don't, I don't know what that says. But um, <clears throat> so instead, um, I've been like, okay, you know, I have to, I have to share something. Like there's, that's an element of the industry that is important to some people, but also can help me make connections that I'm, that I was talking about before. So that's when I was like, okay, I can start making videos and stuff that I had the part in, like made myself, wrote and then acted in and edited now too, because I'm starting to just do all the things for myself, um, which is fine. You know, it's good. To, it, it feels good to not rely on somebody else to um, get my things finished, <laughs> but um, that has helped me be able to, um, you know, kind of show that, you know, oh, like, what have you been doing for the past year? Like, what have you done with your life? <laughs> and it's not like, oh, yeah, this is like my end game, but this is a good way to constantly be, you know, in uh, some sort of a, like, I'm always like kind of doing something. And so I'm never getting like rusty. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's really important. I'm, uh, I have an audition, um, it's kind of an open audition thing, but it's uh, a pretty big one, or it could be. Nice. So it's, it is, it's, I mean, I'm trying not to get too nervous about it, but I also think of it as with all, every, any time I audition, I think uh, it's really, it's still, it's also doing what I like to do. I mean, uh, people sometimes think of audition as different than actually being doing a part, but it's the same thing, you know, and you get to, in this particular instance, you, I get to pick the part, which is kind of fun. It's tough too, because I always, uh, I'm very self-critical, so it's hard to pick a, you know, it says, pick the part you'll be best at. I'm like, oh, I don't, well, I don't know what I'll be best at. <laughs> so it's hard, but it's, it's, uh, it's like you're saying, it's, it's, um, it's working on what I do, you know, it's working on uh, acting and, and this podcasting is also been, um, surprisingly helpful that way, therapeutic and, and, um, there's more, like I'm using more of my acting skills than I ever would have imagined. I'm, you know, yeah. to, to, you, I don't just jump in here and start talking. I kind of have, I have to have an idea, uh, and get ready for it and, put on my costume which is you your know, costume I mean, like, but this is my this is my co that's my costume so i look like a podcast yeah. that guy looks like he's on vacation no wait he's wearing he's wearing headphones i know what he's doing exactly and, then, and these days everyone's so used to seeing seeing the zoom image you know so it, it's it's handy it's it's much much less um much less expensive than it used to be. Um, but oh, there was something I was going to ask you related to what you were talking about. And now I completely spaced it. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but I'll just go with what's like, what's been your um, sort of most influential training? I, I've noticed you've, you've done a lot of, of um, different training in acting. What's, what has helped you the most or does it, or is it all of it? everything just now that's not a helpful answer i i think um well I, I suppose two elements of training that i've had helped me a lot the first one was when i transferred to the school i graduated from point park in um pittsburgh 
that was where I really got to work with a lot of film students. Um, I, I had done film prior to transferring, but because there was an actual film program and then also just in the city, there were a lot of people making their own things that I could also audition for. Um, I was able to not only get you know, like footage from a reel and make those friendships with other people in that department, but also like, wow, I'm getting like a lot of practice. I'm learning how to um, be on a set, what things people t say to you on a set and like mm -hmm. how, what's expected of mm -hmm. me, like that sort of stuff that's nice to learn in a not high stakes situation. Although I'm sure a lot of the students would disagree that the stakes were very high for them. So, oh, <laughs> you know, right, but right, they, right. It, it feels, um, it felt like a good place to grow. So that in a way isn't necessarily my tutelage because, you know, that was like, that wasn't required of me to participate in those, but it definitely like it, it just helped a lot and helped me get a leg up and confidence too to know that when I will be on sets, whether they are, you know, casual or professional and nerve wracking, I still know that I can um, bring it and I can rely on myself for that. The, uh, the second thing I did was I went to the National Theater Institute at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center, and that was very um, hectic, definitely. There was a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of, uh, let's see, uh, <laughs> like injuries happen to people. Lots injuries. of- Injuries? Yes, I, I, I had a concussion during that. And other people oh. got injuries and stuff too. Just there were- A lot of stage fighting? We, there, some happened during a stage combat final, mm -hmm. um, some during, movement classes of sorts just there were a lot of people um we it was bound to happen but anyway <laughs> um it was the the schedule was very um like we, we would uh start our classes at 7 a.m the last class of our day like they were all planned for us but the last class was at 10 was supposed to finish at 10 p.m sometimes would go later then we'd have homework the next day, get up at seven for four, seven a.m. again. So, you know, underslept um, a lot, but um, it was helpful to learn about all of the different elements of creating theater, and it was helpful to um, feel capable of doing so. You know, like not just like, oh well, you know, I haven't really experienced directing before. Mm -hmm. Now I have to, oh, hey, this isn't as, like, maybe I shouldn't have doubted myself, that sort of thing. Um, and, of course, directing for theater is very different from directing for film. But um, similar things apply, and I guess um, the ultimate takeaway from so much of this is that I was able to, you know, have these trial runs and experience things and be like, wow, everything that doesn't like that I want to try, I'm not going to be like super sucky at. So <laughs> um, I can take more chances and be like, be okay with, you know, occasional failures, but also feel pretty proud of the work that I'm going to take the effort to make. <laughs> Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, I think that's um, I think that's extremely valuable. I've made a f kind of a lot of industrials and small films and short films, and 
uh, it really makes a difference when you go on uh, a more professional set. And I've also noticed that there's not a ton of difference. Um, you have you have kind of all the same people no matter what level you're at. I mean, mm -hmm. the real, real beginning level, you have one person doing everything and then you're the actor. But yeah. if, you go on, if you go on a set that has, yeah, yeah, that's, but if you go on a set that has, you know, sound and script and, and uh, a video, uh, maybe a grip, it, it's the same at what, whether it's a no budget movie or a big budget movie, it kind of operates the same. So it really, I think just the more sets you can be on, the more relaxed you can get with that whole idea and, you know, with someone screaming, uh, action and cut and <laughs> things like that, which I still think it's funny that that people still do that because I was I was watching an old an old uh, interview with with um, uh, oh now I'm spacing his name an old um, uh, oh boy I'm totally spacing <laughs> the actor's name he's only one of the biggest actors in the world um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Tom Hanks, but he would probably say the the same thing. Oh gosh, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, who's now one of the biggest directors in the world. When he started out, he would be sitting on a lot of horsebacks, and he was sitting on horseback with this one film, and and the director yelled action, and the horses jump, you know. So they did that over and over, and he he said maybe maybe not yell action. When we're sitting on horses and nobody listened to him. So that's, it's just an interesting story because he's one of the few, I guess, that says, all right, go ahead. Okay. Let's stop. Let's stop there. And I always wonder, it's like that totally changes what you're doing as an actor, right? I mean, you, you must know that being on sets. If someone doesn't get, you get really tense. If someone says action, you get this thing called red light fever. That's what we call it in recording. Uh, and you kind of go, what? And you know, if someone just, kind of goes oh we've been filming for 10 minutes then <laughs> you don't get that <laughs> well something i i recognize like i was like okay don't don't do this um because it's sometimes easy to is um i i i've trained myself like to you know i mean it sounds really silly but like don't move until i hear action or somebody ahead of time is like okay i'm not going to say that i'm going to say like whenever you're ready or something but mm -hmm. um definitely been on sets with actors who um you know like the director's just like t giving the commands to the various other people and he might say something or she might say something that was not cool of me i guess but uh, <laughs> they might say something that is like um a command to somebody else but kind of sounds like it might be to you and then you don't move on your action and they have to reset and i mean it's small but it's something that when you're in the moment, I know, I, like, sometimes it's like, oh, hey, I, oh, that's, yes, it's, it's time. And then you, like, kind of go for it and you're like, wait, no, stop. <laughs> and, like, I definitely have been like, okay, I, I just need to listen for this one thing. I just need for this one thing. <laughs> Shouting action always is a little peculiar. <laughs> um, like, it's never fun to be on those kind of sets that makes it feel like, you're with somebody who's like really full of themselves and is like oh. right right so, i guess that's it, a big it, that's a big part of it yeah it, i i mean not to like be mean to other actors but i've definitely like during school especially felt more of like you know like a kinship 
between me and people who are working behind the scenes because there tends to be less egos there and like people like it's more fun to be kind of you know you can be goofy with people in that way and of course act many actors are capable of course of like being like uh not not so serious about what they're doing but um just i guess through doing stage stuff and through doing film stuff i feel like it's it's just um it's fun to be on the film set more because it just tends to feel like more friendliness is there and more goofiness is there and there's just more time to be kind of really stupid (laughs) 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 make make friends through that sort of shared bond and the stakes are just different i guess in theater stuff but yeah i don't know if that makes sense but hopefully it does that that makes sense to me it totally makes sense to me that's what i was yeah that's what i was that reminds me of something else you were talking about the difference between directing theater and directing film yeah yeah i i have noticed from what i think is that and I've noticed this from directors I've worked with. Directing theater, um, this actually surprised me because I hadn't done plays in a while, and then I did a couple. And um, you know, they get it, they get you to the point of performance, and they walk away. And, and it's like yeah. it's your show. And and I, I'm a couple times I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> but, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> and then it's the opposite with film. It's like they, you know, they're directing you when you're in the scene, but once you're done, then they take it, and it could be completely different than what you thought. Um, in in a lot of cases, it's it's been better. So I've I've been like I see the I see the product finished product, and I'm like, oh wow, I didn't know I did oh, that. Yes. That's great. <laughs> I definitely like I. When I made my first um, short that I directed, I, d- I worked with another friend of mine who um, I met through him directing me. And so we did like, technically we like co-directed, but mainly I was like, I, I feel confident on the acting, like coach the actor kind of side, mm-hmm. but I recognize that, of course, while the stage director is the one who ultimately should be making final decisions on their vision and what other people would be bringing to them you know as the film director you are just in charge of um be like being a little more of a captain all the time right and, right um, of course more prep work and being very prepared going into the shoot which i've definitely been in the experience where like people just like, I don't know, they just fucking forgot <laughs> that they needed to like have a shot list or something like that. But that sort of thing is like, okay, I need to be prepared. I need to like make sure that whoever is coming to my set feels like they have a good person at the head. And, um, you know, just wanting to like earn respect of people and not just like expect it, I suppose. Um, because that's what I would want if I was like when I am the actor or if I'm helping in some other fashion, which I don't always end up doing because, you know, but if I need to, like, you know, if somebody needs help, I can do it. But, um, you know, you want to be, you want to feel like somebody <laughs> has their shit together <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. it's like, okay, what would I want? That's what I should do. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> totally true i mean that's how it has that's always been my experience if i 
show up and I can, you can tell in about 10 minutes um, what's going on on that set. It, it, you know, you can really, in, in 10 minutes or so, you're like, oh man, these guys got it. They know what they're doing. I, you know, they're showing me a shot list yeah. and saying, this is what we're going to do. Because uh, there's plenty of other sets where you show up and they're just they're head scratching. You know, they're, they're, you, you're yeah. there and they're scratching their head and you're like, uh-oh, this is not really a good sign. But I've been on, <laughs> <laughs> especially commercials, when you show up to a commercial that uh -oh. I, I've done commercial shoots where they're, I mean, they have no time and there's money on it. And they're just like, we're doing this, this, and this. Stan over there, yeah. glad you showed up. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the, these are your five lines. Um, you got it? Good. Here we go. And it, it, it also, it's interesting how, what I always think of, what I'm always blown away by is that someone who's directing a much bigger movie than I've been involved in so far, they mm -hmm. have to know all this technical stuff that, Oh that, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they gotta, you gotta know it all. Even on a small scale, it sure helps because I've seen plenty of directors who don't understand sound, camera, you know, <laughs> lighting, yeah. background. They don't quite get that. They're just, they just want to direct something. They're, they just want to make something. And so they skip that whole step. And it's like when, yeah, when you're directing, uh, whether it's video or, or anything on camera, yeah. There's so much more to it. It's just, there's so much more to it. It's my mind. And that's why it's, it's definitely helpful to have like a crew of people that, well, like what I found is having a crew that I not only is obviously competent, but that I feel comfortable saying like, I don't know to instead of like, oh yeah, I like, you know, pretending and trying to like weasel my way through something. It's um, a bit, uh, ugh, it's, it's, it's scary. Um, and then you definitely, when you're starting out, have like that imposter syndrome. And I, I mean, I know I still experience it and that's why it's fun to work with people that I already feel comfortable with because I can feel more, um, relaxed. And, um, so then, you know, you, you broaden your horizons, you meet new people and try taking chances on working with other people and other projects. But I mean, that, that's clearly a reason why people uh, in our industry that people listening would know um, a lot of people kind of stick with their group because they know them, they enjoy spending time with them. They know like what they're about on sets. They know how they write, they know how they act, they know what they're getting into and they want to have that experience again. So they're like, yeah, we'll make more stuff with you in mind. Um, like the Seth Rogen group, for example, we right. do right. see a lot of the same people between him and Evan Goldberg, like, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and that's something that you can definitely see popping up in the smaller uh, communities, like in Pittsburgh, of course, I, I recognize Pittsburgh is a um, not as huge of a feel a, a film town. They people there might tell you differently. Yeah, right? I, I think um, I know of a very big <laughs> actor that might might have something to say about that. Well, <laughs> his name's Will something. Will isn't he from Pittsburgh? Will uh, from Pittsburgh? I I know Will Smith filmed the uh, that concussion movie that came out a few years ago there. Yeah, I thought um, he was from there. I don't. He's from. I thought he was from Philadelphia. Oh, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> no, Philadelphia. I mean, there's definitely um, like Michael Keaton, uh, Gene Kelly, Zachary Quinto, Christina Aguilera. Um, people are from Pittsburgh, but in Pittsburgh, um, the 
film scene itself is, of course, a lot of independent projects. And um, um, there are some equity theaters that exist and are uh, very active. Um, but when it comes to the bigger films being filmed there, they're not necessarily um, casting. They, they will like try to cast local, of course, but you know, somebody like me, for example, living in Los Angeles can be a local hire in Pittsburgh. That still counts as, you know, from Pittsburgh because oh. local hire is the local hire um, term is it, it's not the best in a way because Bullish. it's like you would be like so if I was like oh like Joel can be a local hire on this thing in Los Angeles okay cool um, that would mean you would be getting your way to the set so right why okay I, right yeah. So like in right. a way, it's a little like, oh, I have to pay a bit to do this. Okay. <laughs> um, and because you say like, oh, I'm a local hire, that implies that you have an address in that location. So you don't need to be put up in a hotel, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I still can say that. And so I can try to get, um, I mean, I still have an agent in Pittsburgh. I can still audition for things there. And be treated as if I still live there. It's kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. But also, are, how many things are being filmed in Pittsburgh compared to how many things are being filmed here in Los Angeles or in like Atlanta or in New York or um, New Mexico? I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, bigger, still small, but bigger places. And I do feel like um, when I did move out here, it was definitely like weird and a lot bigger, of course, but you know, you, you experience the smaller pond and try to like master it, if you will, and then bring what you learn to the bigger one and try to recognize that it's all like the same kind of stuff, just like different people in those positions. <laughs> Right. That's a good way to look at it. And it, since moving out there, how, like, are you still doing theater there? Are you mostly focused on film? No. Are you focused on commercial? Does it, like, <laughs> who cares? And do you have more than, do, do you have more than one agent? Do you have a, um, a commercial agent and a, another agent? Or do you have an agent that covers that all? Well, right now, um, so my, um, my coach, in the program that I'm involved in, Career Activate. Um, my coach's name is Rachel. And my, our focus, first and foremost, is more on um, voiceover agents and um, a commercial agent. There's a, um, theatrical agents are more difficult for someone like me to get not being SAG eligible yet. I've done SAG projects, some here, um, in Pittsburgh, too, however, some of them ended up biting off more than they can chew and did not turn their paperwork in, and therefore I did not get any, <laughs> I didn't get paid, but also I didn't get the credit that one must get and collect to become a union actor. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, like, I, don't, I have a bunch of experiences of like, oh, I, I was experiencing this thing. It seemed like it was going to go well, and then it mm -hmm. didn't, and oh, well. But um, 
so I um being in lockdown and all that good stuff has um inspired me and Rachel has encouraged me to make my own project that I would put as a SAG project I will work to make it a unionized experience and so oh, then okay. I will make myself SAG eligible so then I can go to those theatrical agents and present the one perhaps well not the one most important thing but a very important element of signing somebody which is being either eligible to join the union or in the union already because so many things that a theatrical agent here would be sending me out for would require me to be in the union to to participate in if I were cast. And um, of course you can Taft-Hartley somebody, mm-hmm. an actor who mm-hmm. is not union, but that requires, um, it requires a, um, a justification to the union why, they, why this professional set picked me. I'm not necessarily a, um, an uncommon type to see. <laughs> I don't have like a bunch of language experience what that I can bring. Well, um, I'm a, I'm a blonde white girl. So really? Oh, really <laughs> I thought those are, yeah. <laughs> there's other, there's other people like that yeah. in, in Hollywood. There, oh, there are. I'll Although, be darned. I will but say, most of them aren't real, are they? <laughs> well, I guess I'm not sure. I, I guess I definitely <laughs> do not see very many blonde people. I think the blonde, like, oh, there's so many blonde white girls. Like, there are definitely more brunette white girls. <laughs> but but still, the essence, I suppose, would be what I, I mean, like, does that make sense? Essence? Yeah. Of, okay. So. No, yeah. I understand. I'm just, I'm just messing about. I understand. <laughs> oh, no, I understand no, no. what you're but, saying. Um, because of that, because I don't necessarily have a, um, a collection of special skills. I mean, like I do have some special skills, like um, bowling. Like if they needed a bowler, that would be a reason to Taft Hartley me and justify that we needed April because she can do this one specific skill that we couldn't find in somebody else. But if it wasn't for like you know something more, no, oh, it's just a co-star thing. She is a barista saying, "Here's your coffee," like. Oh, you couldn't find an actor that is in the union to do that? Hmm. Um, so that kind of makes it difficult. It puts me at a disadvantage. And also then who, whoever is the one, uh, I guess I don't know who would be exactly in charge of doing the paperwork on my behalf, but that's more paperwork for them. Do they want to do more paperwork for somebody that when they can just not do more paperwork and hire a union person? I mean, maybe not. Maybe they do. I don't know. But, you know, screw it. I'm going to take it into my own hands and work on making something here. And, like, it, <laughs> it, it's, I, I, it, it's taking place on a thing like this, um, like a, a call, of course. There's probably going to be so many things like that. A thing, a thing like this? You mean a, a <laughs> high-tech studio in, in a mansion? <laughs> In a, <laughs> yes, I, I'm planning, um, I, I have other friends who, so one of them lives here in Los Angeles, two of them, uh, well, one of them lives in Pittsburgh, one of them is um, currently with their, their uh, family in Ohio, but she, her, like, location, location is New York, and um, the four of us are all trying to do the same thing. 
um, help our career by mm -hmm. being capable of joining the union. And um, so we're going to try to do this together, which is definitely helpful because um, paperwork, um, <laughs> insurance, that sort of stuff is a little right. confusing to me. Uh, and I've, I've produced things before when I had to, just because if I didn't do it, nobody else would be doing it, but I definitely don't prefer producing. <laughs> so if I can have somebody else help me when I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Um, you know, that's good. That's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it's awesome that you're doing that, that the, yeah. you know, you're getting together with friends and doing and doing a project. Uh, that's totally awesome. I'm always confused about the, the union thing, um, especially where I am, very small market, Portland, which is not far from me, was doing, uh, they were doing a couple movies and four series at one point, not that long ago. And almost everyone was from LA. That was the interesting thing. Like the the production was from LA. So all of the crew was from, well, there's really no crews in Portland. Not many, <laughs> not enough to crew that much. Um, so most of the crews were from Portland. The main actors, I mean, L.A., all the main actors from L.A., all the guest stars were from L.A. Now, that's what surprised me because Portland has tons of SAG actors. You know, there there's quite a few people who moved to Portland to get out of the rat race. And actually, we have one of the biggest actors in the world just up the road from us uh, um, in a small town out in, the, out in the country. So, but all, I guess it was just easier for them. Uh, Mr. Mustache. Um, Tom Selleck. His name is, is his name is Tom. Um, <laughs> now I'm forgetting his name. He's, he he does Chevy ads and he has a really low voice. And he played uh, one of the Earps in the. Uh, oh man. Now I'm thinking like Wilford Brimley. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now I'm forgetting the oh, name. Yeah. That's terrible. Plus Mustache. I don't I don't want I don't want to give away where he lives. You know. Uh, even oh, though there's been articles, he's been well. This particular Tom might live. At a <laughs> right, yeah. He might live Very nearby well. here. I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> he's very famous I... for his voice. Um, but he's anyhow. not. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm telling. He's I... Oh uh, no, but, no. Yeah. I understand that like, that sort of thing happens. I, I know a friend of mine who was from Pittsburgh, he moved to Atlanta. And then after he moved to Atlanta, he was able to get a guest star on Mindhunter, which films in Pittsburgh. Um, but I mean, and like, of course, Atlanta, Los Angeles, I understand like they're different types of markets, but um, it does seem that by moving to, uh, like being a Los Angeles actor gives me a sort of, um, I don't know, like professional air that literally just being here makes it seem like I'm fancier than I once was. Well, <laughs> it's like, is that true? Sure. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure your acting teachers have told you too. It's like, if you want to, if you want to be an actor, you, you live in LA or New York. If that's really your goal, you, you want to live in LA and New York. There's not a lot of professional acting elsewhere in the world, unless you get in the Shakespearean Festival, which is in Ashland, Oregon, and those people ha have gotten a really lucky break. The, the, that's a very unique thing, but it's a professional theater company, and the people that get into it usually stay there 10 to 20 years, 
you know, oh, and yeah. it, it's an, very amazing. <laughs> and they, that's, that's, but that's different. But most people, it's like, yeah. if you want to be a musician, you go to Nashville or LA. It's like, if that's your, your goal, you, you don't go to Oregon and start doing a podcast from your bedroom. I mean, my God. Uh, well, <laughs> in fairness, you know, there was a time when it was like, okay, should I, like, should I stay in Pittsburgh and try to, you know, a thing that a lot of people there say are like, we want to, you don't want to move until you're invited to move, which is a very, um, of course, like, yeah, you want to be invited to move to Los Angeles because you already have somebody that wants you for some long-term experience. Um, but is the, how, how likely is that to happen? Um, and I mean, like it, it can happen depending on your skill set and the people that you know who live out here, who, like I was saying before, like you and want to work with you and also have some sort of power of hiring where they can make that decision to help you relocate to the city. Um, but is that, how, how often does that happen? I, I know, um, sort of not, not quite the same story, but, um, Mindy Kaling was, uh, she wrote a play with another in a fringe festival in New York through having a very good experience there and winning different, uh, critical acclaim, she was able to be, take, take it to, um, I, I, I believe it was, um, she brought it to Los Angeles because somebody else was, you know, like, oh yes, we will bring this here because it will do well. And through this whole experience is how she got to be a writer on The Office. She was offered to staff on that. And then we now know her because first of that, and then, you know, all the other things Mindy Kaling has done. So that sort of experience happens, um, but it didn't happen by her necessarily knowing people. It happened because she made something and people saw it and liked it. So that's why I, you know, like then there are a lot of people who end up making things and people see them and people like them and then they want to see more of that person. And so I'm like, okay, that's, I'm going to try to do that. <laughs> and that's why I've been taking writing classes. And that's why I've been um, working on my own shorts and why I'm starting in pre-pro for this one. Um, it's, it's, um, it, a lot of people here do say like, oh yeah, there's like so much emphasis on creating your own work. And there definitely is, However, it's also, um, you know, there, there's so many different paths and not necessarily one career you can look at for that inspiration for like, oh, okay, how did they do it? Well, okay, what do I like make a play to be in a fringe festival? I guess I could. Do I like Issa Rae create a web series that gets traction and turns into my own HBO show? Um, you know, like, of course, these are all like, you know, big goals, but how can I set myself up now when I'm, you know, even though I've been doing things for a while, how can I, um, when I'm still technically maybe considered green, how can I prove myself now? How can I, 
um, expand my creative voice and do the projects I want to do to, you know, get that attention from different people that I wouldn't have met if I hadn't tried. And then we'll hopefully, you know, we can bond, we can make a thing together too. And then we, you know, continue from there. I, that sounds very, uh, you know, maybe it's a little cliche, but <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a goal of mine to be able to make my own shows and have parts on them, but also have parts behind the scenes, <laughs> be a showrunner, be, be a producer on my, my projects when I actually have the funds to do it because I have a studio helping me. That sort of a thing. Producing on your own stuff is hard sometimes because you look at what you need budget-wise and feel very deflated. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know that is that was a long answer to the thing. No, that that's an it's an interesting <laughs> but, answer though. I've not. Um, I think the, uh, the there's just more opportunity in LA or New York. And a lot of people in New York, um, a lot of people who are now famous, they were in New York, they were doing plays. And, uh, you know, someone said, well, if you want to really get big, you, you know, you're really good. You're going to need to go and get an agent in, in Los Angeles. And that, you know, mm -hmm. that's, I think that's still the deal. The, it's fortunate now that we can do our own thing for very inexpensively. You know, now you can make, uh, with basically an iPhone, but even even an inexpensive camera, you can make yeah. a feature film looking uh, piece. You know, you can make something look really good and sound really good if you have some expertise or your friends do, if your friends have some expertise, which didn't used to happen anymore. But I still think, I mean, I've said this before on my podcast, I still think that um, personally, a lot of it is still luck. Some people believe in luck, some people don't. I think huh. you, you know, some luck is made. You, you've got to be the right place at the right time. But if, if you are there, you still need a little bit of luck for that opportunity to come out and, and come to you. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a tough business you've chosen. You might, you might've heard that before. And very few people are making a good living in it. Very few people. So that's something you just have to understand too, and not let that, and not really let that bother you. It's like, yeah, it's not, it, it, it's, um, it's rare that people do well, but, but that's, um, that doesn't, it shouldn't keep you from, you know, doing exactly, I think you're doing a lot of the right things. The amazing thing about the union, last time I looked, I haven't looked for a while, but there was some reason that I was looking up union stuff, probably mm -hmm. an audition or something. And on the union website, it said, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, don't join the union. <laughs> it said- Just that. <laughs> it says, don't join the union. If you're a working union actor, like if you have enough work that you can afford this, that, that you know that you can pay this money every year because it's coming from your paycheck then you should join otherwise you know there's really no reason and i think part of that is because oh. they don't want a lot of non-working actors in the union it probably looks bad for their stats as well but you know it's more you talked about paperwork it's like a lot of paperwork for the union to keep keeping track of actors that you know maybe they haven't worked in five years and and the the, the reason they're in there is because they had two projects like they had two parts in a in a tv series five years ago um so i think it's it's an it's a i'm always confused about the whole union <laughs> thing it's, i think that's always confusing 
that is, I mean, that that is a reason why um, the goal of mine is to become eligible because then in the meantime, I can be doing um, other non-union things. And of course there is a way, I don't remember what the term is, but there's something that you can become where you are able to do union and non-union work. Um, that, I mean, not, not what I w would like to do, but I guess um, an element of the industry that mm -hmm. I, um, I think is misunderstood and is, uh, in, I find to be inspiring at times is that, yeah, like maybe there are few actors that, um, you know, make it, that become household names, but there are, I'd say many actors who are able to make a living on what they do. Um, that is definitely a reason why I like voiceover a lot because voiceover is um, not only does it pay well, but it is relatively easy to um, create for other people. I mean, just last night, I, I, do a, um, I do tutorials for a company in Pittsburgh, um, Vexcode Robotics. They... Um, I, I read the tutorials for how to operate their different programs. They're all about coding for um, like younger audiences. So like, do I understand everything I'm reading? Definitely not, but um, it's very, um, it's, it's very simple. I do it in my bedroom and my boyfriend, I could do this, but he helps edit them. And I, because it, I mean, it's not too hard to edit, I suppose, but, um, and we get paid very well. And that has been helping throughout this pandemic mm -hmm. and I am having a great time. <laughs> and also it's just like a cool company too. Just like, it's like, it would have been fun when I was younger to be taught coding in school. Oh, you can see my kitties. That's great. That's, That's Okay. My wife's gonna like that. She... <laughs> he's he's super cute. He's just I don't know. I hope he's like he seems calm. I think he's gonna take a nap. Let's hope. But um, yeah. So I, I guess the point is, and like of course, a lot of commercial um, opportunities are non-union, and of course there are a lot of people competing for union things that are um, on shows that you would have heard of, of course, but. Now, th that also can be balanced with, oh, wow, there are so many new streaming platforms and therefore new shows. And because shows are more of a um, 10 to 12 episode um, season instead of maybe 22 episodes, there are more shows that are being made. And that means more writers are needed, more actors are needed, more, I mean, other things. Th those are the things I do. Um, right, right. <laughs> so that's what but, um, and like, of course there's, um, oh, I might sneeze, <laughs> um, but of course there is like an element of, well, you know, if I was a writer and I got hired on a 22 season show compared to a 10 season, 10, uh, 22, 22 episode, um, season to a 10 episode season, that is different. That is, you know, you, not as much work. However, um, that is just kind of what it is. And um, 
it's something I feel like, like, okay, and just embrace that. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's there, even though things of Hollywood are changing, there are, there are many opportunities for people to have their own experiences and make good money through doing uh, what they want. Now, <laughs> I, I also completely understand that like that is, you know, that, that there's a lot of work that goes into getting those opportunities. There's a lot of um, elements out of your control, of course, and like you said, luck. But I guess I choose to think of it in the way that I just described because I think that if I let myself kind of get into the like, oh, there's, there's like, there's like, oh, there's so much to have, but like, not for me, you know, getting into the kind of negative down on myself mindset is not good <laughs> and is easy to kind of like get sucked into that trap. Um, and like, I definitely feel like, you know, oh, wow, what I'm doing here is not what I should be doing. This isn't where I want to be. This isn't like, I've been here for this much time. This is what I should have accomplished by now. But uh, it, like my coach, Rachel says, like, you have to be good to yourself. You have to like honor your own journey instead of trying to compare it to the other people's that you see and you see other people succeeding. You have to be happy for those people and understand that their success does not mean your failure. <laughs> That's really good point because I have the same problem as a podcaster. I, uh, <laughs> you know, when I see the biggest podcasts, they they are literally getting millions of people listening to them. Um, mm -hmm. But most of them, then when I listen to the stats and I listen to podcast experts, most podcasts um, are like mine. They're very, very small and uh, I love it. So I'm going to keep doing it. And yeah. the ones that are, one of the ones that's huge uh, that we mentioned before, but I've mentioned the show too many times, um, the biggest podcast in the world, which is on YouTube and anywhere, um, he's been doing it for 10 years now. So it's not like he just jumped in that pond and he was a success. He was already doing well because he was an actor, comedian, and, and, and uh, did, did other stuff, had his own shows and stuff. But this it's is still, Joe Rogan, right? Yeah, Joe Rogan. Oh. Yeah, so it still took him years to get to the yeah. to where he is, and and part of that was you know going going along five years basically just screwing around on camera, and then going <laughs> oh this is this is something that could grow. I should now I should think about you know doing this better, and so it yeah it can take. I guess I'm just saying it can take don't you know don't stop whatever you're doing. It can take a while. Nobody knows how how long or how short. You know you hear so many stories about people who. Um, who were discovered and put in their first movie when they weren't even an actor. And, and I just want to slap them. And <laughs> that, but that, most, <laughs> the, yeah, but most of the real stories, and this seems to happen more and more. I'll see someone that is amazing um, on a new, on a show that I'm watching. And, and I think, who the heck is this person? I've never seen him before. Um, mm. And like on Bloodline, I don't know if you ever saw Bloodline. It, it, it was, you ever see that show? No, I've never okay. watched Bloodline. 
it, it has some really, really good acting. And now the one of the actors in it has is now in everything. He's been in Star Wars. He's been in all this stuff. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Well, when you look him up, he was an Australian actor. He, you know, he went to school for acting for years. He had tons of training. He had he had been in a whole lot of things before he got in something that big that kind of launched his career. And now he's on everything. But you know, it it and I see that more and more where um, there's there was a show called Hollywood. I think it was on Netflix. It was about old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It, did you see that? Yeah. So that was about yeah. how things happened a long, long time ago. And uh, people could just stumble into it basically by looking, just being good looking. And and I'm not saying that that's not a prerequisite still. I mean, you know, there's a lot of actors that are overly good looking and, and maybe that's part of why they're stars, but they also work their butts off um, and worked really hard to get where they're, they are. I guess, I mean, I think that's more common now is that actors have been to, have had a lot of training, you know, have come out of, of a, um, acting academy of some sort have been, you know, um, and also I think you need to be English or or Australian. Isn't that right? You're from Australia, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Not at all. I I mean, there is definitely like, oh, you're a British actor. You're probably way better. But I mean, like I said, that also happens with, oh, you live in Los Angeles. That means you're more serious than other people are about their career um, and therefore better, Um, (laughs) which maybe (laughs) the makes sense because yeah but um (laughs) whoopsie i (laughs) but anyway yeah there are definitely um stigmas about like who is good and who is not or all that stuff and i i definitely do feel uninspired by stories of like like i know sofia vergara she was like discovered on a beach <laughs> like somebody right. saw right. her model now and now she is. but um and it's like oh that's wonderful so cool um <laughs> but you know there are there are stories of people who have climbed the the ladder <laughs> and like um somebody now, I don't personally know this woman, um, but she was in the program that I'm in now. Her name is Angelica Washington, and she is now a character on the uh, CW Stargirl series. And she she was in the program that I'm in, and um, my the, the head of the program, her name is Jonah Chow. And Jonah likes to tell Angelica's story because you can look at things that Angelica has done and it appears that she just kind of like was super successful from the start. But because we, the, the program and people within it got to know her and know, know her story, they know that she struggled for a while with like multiple jobs and lots of rejection and having been like let go of a project. I believe the story was something of like hired as a local in Atlanta. The part that she was going to play got cut at a certain point where they didn't still have to pay her, her day rate. So she spent her own money to get there and then didn't 
even get the pay that she was supposed to get, you know, lots of setbacks. And um, now you can see her on a show that has a lot of really good reviews, as mm -hmm. I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, like people like the show. People, I, I would, like, you know, I, I feel like sometimes like, oh, okay, am I like a fan of this thing before it was made? Those people are the ones whose opinions I sent, I tend to value more. <laughs> like the people who were already like into a particular franchise or, you know, comic book, something. Whenever the thing is made, oh, is it, do those people like it? No? Hmm, interesting. Why? But it seems like those people do like this creation, this adaptation of this character and therefore all the other characters in the, the CW show. So um, the point being, like people who are successful that you see pop up and all of a sudden like oh my god they're they just have done so much like they're in everything now and they're doing a lot and where did they come from like yeah there a lot of people do have those sort of stories that are like they had a hard time they kept trying they uh uzo aduba from uh orange is the new black was plant quit acting she quit um a, like a certain amount of time a, like a very specific like 40 minutes before her agent told her that she booked her role on orange is the new black because she was like done with acting and then she she <laughs> got her big break and right. that sort of thing like it it happens it it is possible and so you know gotta believe that it's also possible for me and you got to enjoy what you're doing i mean that's important too uh, you know you can't <laughs> yeah. can't be in it just to just to get the next part on orange is a new black because that show's not even on anymore that's and a good point <laughs> I, <laughs> that up my list. Yeah, you, I, yeah. I, you're not going to be on lost give it up it's yeah, that. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to. I just wanted to. His name is Ben Mendelson. That's the actor I was trying to remember um, ah. from Bloodline. He's been in the latest Star Wars movie. He's he just pops up all the time, and he can play anything. But um, yeah, I you know I thought, well, where did this guy come from? And of course, he had a really long uh, struggle to get to where he is now. Yeah. Um, and now he's got every part in the world <laughs> and also you know what's kind of fun is you can definitely play that game with voiceover actors like just like you mainly would know them from voiceover you can look at like the imdb or wikipedia of one person and like it's like oh my god they just explode with all of the stuff they do because like once you kind of like make it into that market you start to work and it, it's like a oh what is that uh the, the wheel the cogs the cogs turn i don't know <laughs> set it in motion yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah and, and it and yes. once people know that someone can do a certain thing they tend yeah. to want to hire that person again uh, i mean it's why we you know like you were talking about actors that like to hire the same people over and over i mean directors it totally makes sense, and I've had I've been lucky enough to have that happen to me. Where I mean, it's local; they're not big paying jobs, but directors who like they like what I'm doing, so they want to put me in more stuff because they know well I'm going to show up and I can do it. You know, so that and, totally makes sense to me. Like, if you know an actor, 
has certain skills, why wouldn't you use them again? That that always has made a lot of sense to me. And I'm sure that an element of why people would bring you back is because they like spending time with you. Right, right. That's yeah. a, and that's a big one uh, in any acting, whether it's theater or or film. They better like spending time with you. It's something that actors. I mean, I'm really surprised that actors that are famous for you know, being bad <laughs> actors, as in not acting well on set, I'm really shocked that they get work because it's just, there are so many talented people. You can't tell me you can't find someone else that could do that just as well. Um, but I don't know. No, I, I, I know. agree with, like, I always find it strange to, like, because I understand, oh, okay, this person, whoever that may be, oh, they're probably, like, famous they probably have some cool up oh, here comes okay here's a kitty he's gonna, all right maybe he oh here now i don't want you going in the window you're such a little noisy kitty and i thought he was gonna take a nap on my desk he is maybe he will maybe he'll come back anyway uh but yes i i think you know you you do hear stories about like certain um certain actors that you like would know the name of being bad on set difficult to deal with and i you know on one hand i'm like okay i understand like maybe this person's name brings like you know something to the um marketing that somebody else maybe wouldn't but i guess i think like oh well there are so many uh i would say substitutes that have an equal amount of um you know buying power to the person who is deciding whether or not they want to go to that movie um right and right. so i don't know it seems like it's it. weird to me too i <laughs> it's, a, it's a little weird um on the other hand i have to say sometimes i hear about these stories and um you know the actor was um maybe they bit someone's head off or something in the middle of a, just before a scene and and that somehow gets out there in the world and oh this 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 guy is terrible because i was on set and he bit my head off and it's like yeah. but as an actor as someone who's done that work and who sees how talented that that person is i can see where if they're deep into what they're trying to do and you know someone breaks them out of that and, and they um i'm sure they they might have a reaction that they didn't mean to have it just, you know, it, it, they just react. And uh, so there's that side of it, too. It, it's like there's it's um, some actors who are doing basically people who are doing method acting. It can be extremely difficult. And you got to uh, I, I can kind of understand. It, it seems like it's always the method well, actors that I get a bad name. It. It's always people who are doing method stuff. Uh, guess, not that I'm against that at all. I I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm against yeah. method stuff hmm. because... I guess, like that Lawrence Olivier quote um, to Dustin Hoffman. Yes, that's the, yes, it's the like the story of Marathon Man where he had to be like tortured and kept up all night uh, for three days. And so he was like, I'm going to do that. And he was being like, you know, he was on set and was totally whacked out because he was experiencing it himself and Laurence Olivier is sitting like drinking his tea and it's like it's called acting you yeah there's 
It's funny because that story is told in in so many different ways. That it's like several. <laughs> it's attributed to so many different actors. Try acting. Uh, and, and like but I, think, I, I guess like as as an actor um, who would be on the set with somebody who would be trying to method act. Um, I mean, like I guess I've I've been on not many sets like I always I always wonder like when is the moment that you say oh okay I can method act like no one's gonna be putting up with your shit when you are like just some random tiny actor who is like no you like I need to be treated in this way like I don't know I just don't think that is something that goes oh wow what a great actor they go oh wow what a what a diva who needs so much given to him um, oh, but yeah, see, that's where I think people get confused about method acting. They well, they see the, the extremes of it. I mean, for one, if you look at the performance in Marathon Man, it worked. Uh, that's all I can say. Both sides worked. You know, both performances worked because they were doing what they were, were good at. They were doing what they were taught. Um, and the method can, is... Um, I just think people get very like um, confused about the difference between uh, staying up for three days and um, wanting to get your own clothes for a part, wanting you know, wanting to uh, uh, maybe meet police officers if you're going to play a police officer, uh, things like I, that. Things that are a little not so extreme because that's, that's also for, method. I, I was going to say I don't even think I would consider that method i think that would just be to me that would be just considered like research or i mean i i guess the clothing thing i can see what you're saying i guess like to me a lot of method a lot of the process of method seems like it's just an opportunity to behave in a way that is excusable only because it's technically not what you are doing. But I mean, can you name any female method actor? I don't think you can. <laughs> I can't, uh, I, actually the, one of the people who created the method, one of the, one of the most famous acting teachers who you know, started the acting studio is a female. Um, I think her name is now. Now I'm forgetting her name, but um, the acting studio was started by a, a, a male and a female uh, directors. Stella that, Adler. Stella Adler. Yes, mm -hmm. Stella Adler created the method, but she also made fun of actors who were extremists about it. I mean, she yeah. was like, "That's that's not necessarily what they're talking about." You know, it, it's oh, a difference. Definitely. It's more about. I mean, you can take it to that extreme, definitely, but it's also about like, research and about understanding who you are in a role. It, you know, that's method. That's, I mean, it, yeah. It's like, should you, you take it to that extreme? Like that right. the story of Jared Leto sending condoms to his castmates of Suicide Squad and Viola Davis saying like, if I did this, I would be fired because this isn't something that I could pull and be like, oh, it's just Viola getting into character. It, you know, it's it's not a good. I, I don't know, like that. Well, here's interesting thing. thing about that. One, yeah. I totally agree that he was being an asshole. Period. The end. I think he was being an <laughs> asshole. 
Uh, two, yeah. he wasn't <laughs> famous enough, <laughs> which is unfortunate. If Viola Davis did that, she probably would have got away with it because she has a bigger name than him. Um, well, the I same mean, goes for the... It just won an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. So, I mean, Jared Leto had been... I mean, he... I, I, I guess I don't know if he like wasn't famous because I barely I, knew who he was. You know, I mean, famous compared to Viola Davis, compared to a Tom Hanks, compared to the Joker before him, who also was using the method and was supposedly a, a, a real great to be around on set. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it just yeah. it depends on who they are. I think that, yeah, I think that when you take it to that extreme, you, you're you're just uh you're not being real you're not being fair to your other actors because i've worked with actors yeah. in the same production who who have really different ways of working um and, and i guess i i just believe that you can put real emotion in a part that's my belief and that if you you don't it, it's going to be a little people aren't going to be as convinced especially on yeah. camera other people are the opposite they're like no you don't have to use real emotion and i've seen both work like I've literally worked with actors that are basically faking it and they're really good at it. You know, yeah. they're, they're really good at it. So I think both ways work really well. But when you do things like that, you're still just being an a-hole. You yeah, know, it's like, like you've got to have respect for not just actors, but everyone on a set, everyone in a production. Oh, definitely. And I mean, like I know through being respectful of, all of the like in particularly on like sets where there are many more people on the crew um you know like you, you some people kind of make the, the mistake i suppose i could say the mistake of being like oh the only people who are important on this set are the people with the like the higher titles and those are the people that I need to, you know, those are the ones I need to talk to. Those are the ones I need to suck up to, basically. <laughs> um, but now, first off, like a lot of those people are going to be more active while you are shooting. So they probably aren't going to be like able to do the chit chat fun. Let's network conveniently while we're here together thing. But also like, you know, a lot of the people who are in smaller roles um on on the crew don't want to always be there um slash maybe the people in smaller roles on the crew you know they're friends they have friends they they have people that make things too and if you can become like if if you are remembered for being kind and like prepared and fun to be around all that good stuff and you know you and you're not like oh i'm going to like i have to i have to try to like make this impression but you just kind of you know like it's like effortless you just kind of do because you you are kind because you did prepare because you just aren't being an asshole that sort of a thing um you know it it will it can plant seeds that you might find grow into something you didn't expect you know, you like I've definitely had opportunities just directly offered to me because I got along with somebody on a crew who, you know, maybe they weren't like the head poncho, but they 
they have people that they're friends with. They participated in something else. And it's, it's, it's helpful in a way to consider like, Hey, you know, like you don't know who is the person who could be, you know, the, the one person that believes in you enough to make some big change in your life. Um, and it's like a cliche to hear that, but like, and it's, it's true. Um, and so instead of, you know, it's a reason to go through life and be on your, like, anytime you're working with other people, it's a reason to just be pleasant to everybody that you meet, as long as they're pleasant to you too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) hopefully they're pleasant to you too. But, um, yeah, I guess like just the, the philosophy of why it's good to be kind to other people. Yeah. Hopefully that is sound logic. I think. <laughs> I think it's really, I think it's important to be kind to other people um, all the time. I say it at the end of my show, <laughs> every single show, but uh, it's, I mean, everyone on, whether on a set is really working hard, working incredibly yeah. hard. And um, so why, you know, why do you want to make it harder for them? And that's why I don't understand where certain really big name actors, um, and they do tend to be method actors, uh, give, you know, give people such a hard time. I'm, I'm always amazed, um, about that because, yeah, but I can, but I also think that's why Tom Hanks works so much because he's because always, you know, enjoy him. people enjoy him. He's known to be one of the nicest people around. Um, so they want to work with him. I mean, I've, I've heard, I've heard the same thing about Tom Cruise is that he's really good with people he's working with, you know, I, I've seen him in enough movies, but I, I've heard that I, he's, he's I a really good person to work with. I've read, like, I remember a while ago reading an article that was just like, apparently Tom Cruise is like really nice. And it was just like a bunch of things that Tom Cruise has done for people that he's been on sets with that were just like really generous. <laughs> and it was like, interesting okay didn't know that but yeah like i i can understand why people would want to i mean like yes of course like they have the name behind them but like they probably did get that name known by being pleasant to be with (laughs) and therefore yeah probably starting out yeah that cycle of like oh hey we still we still want to work with tom hanks like he's great let's like make things that you'll possibly be interested in. And I mean, I guess a partner he's worked with a lot is Steven Spielberg. So that makes sense. It's true. I mean, he kind of, he kind of got in good with uh, Spielberg and Ron Howard and, and that's but, but done. What else you need? <laughs> you got, yeah, basically, those guys I mean, make enough movies. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's 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 interesting to see that um like of course the bigger markets are going to have different elements of like how things work and you gotta like kind of learn those new things that are in place um that are different from the smaller ones but like it is i i think it should be like a, a positive to see the like small things that you experience in like smaller um sets smaller friendship circles we'll say you can see reflected in the more 
well-known professional things too. Um, so it's like, hey, this is this is real. These are just people who are just similar to me in that they like their friends <laughs> are similar to me in that they like when people are prepared and are good to work with and you know all that like all that good stuff. Um, and I, I I find that like comforting to think like, hey, you know what? That means that can happen to me too. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I was saying earlier about how sets seem to be the same at any level, because you hear all kinds of stories about these big Hollywood movies and all this stuff that happens to this person's being a diva and, and the, 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 yes. da, da. I mean, the difference is money for sure, but I've seen <laughs> just as much bad behavior on little sets that are like, what are you doing? You know, um, I see the same kind of behavior uh, everywhere, which is why i think it's bizarre i mean especially in small theater communities you get, you uh, get it's so the weirdest weird. stuff and you're just thinking what are you doing this is just for fun you're not even getting paid for doing this would you settle down you know what a, fr a friend told me um <clears throat> pardon me about a a person who was having a meltdown i guess on set mm -hmm. and they were like i don't deserve to be treated like this i have an imdb page and Oh, that was like, oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's like saying I have a like, YouTube channel. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess if somebody listening maybe doesn't understand, it's very easy to get an IMDb page. You could probably get one, too, if you have a friend that has a pro account. Just know that. <laughs> like <laughs> my a friend of mine just uh, helped me add a, uh, a film I made to IMDb. And I, I just like literally wrote all the credits out. I was like, here you go. Here's all the information. Um, you know, go go forward. And um, now my boyfriend has an IMDb page because he helped on the set. <laughs> so uh -huh. and he oh, okay. like sure. So he has a credit. Yes. So he has now he. Has IMDb page. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm an, I've had an ID, IMDb page from a long time ago because one movie I was in said, you know, we're putting this up on IMDb. So I thought, okay. And I, I put a couple things up there, which I don't know if they're there anymore because if you don't have your pro account, anyway, uh, a lot, <laughs> they should say. be there, but a lot, some movies popped up that I didn't know. Like I was surprised because the level of, what we were doing, um, yeah. but they still were able to submit it. Uh, I think it's gotten easier to submit to IMDb because I know when I first <laughs> kind of heard about it, knew about it, you it had to have a certain amount of distribution or something. Oh, it had to be in festivals. It had to be in festivals. So they must have they must have relaxed that a little because uh, there are credits up there that I wouldn't never have thought would made it had made it there. <laughs> I know that you um you just have to prove that it exists. Okay. So that means you can just share the link to the video and that can be enough. Um wow. festival uh like official festival lineup websites stuff like that that those are also qualifying to put you on IMDb but you don't need it <laughs> to right. get there. Yeah, I remember, right. I think the first, 
maybe the first credit that I got on IMDb was for something that I was like, oh, well, I, okay, interesting. Like, and I, I, at the time I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. But I'm in, and then like, you kind of go like, oh, wow, everybody kind of. Like anyone I look up, it's on there. Uh, oh, oh, look, they're on. <laughs> I always say it, it's a Wikipedia. That is what shows that you <laughs> have achieved something. Because not everybody gets a Wikipedia page. That's then for sure. A Wikipedia with a picture. That's the other part. That's, that's the big time. That's the big it, time. It, I mean, it's silly, but it's true in a way. <laughs> but yes, I, and now this is making me think like, oh, I need to put more pictures on my own IMDb. I have like, I don't know. I, I guess I don't always consider it because I'm like, hey, everybody has this. Do any people really live? I mean, yes, they do, but. Oh yeah, everyone looks. I everyone, mean, <laughs> except I didn't actually look for this podcast. <laughs> for a lot of people, I do. I forgot. But you, <laughs> you have a really good um, website. That's the word I'm looking for. Duh. You have a really good website. I thought because not not uh, not many people are very good at making websites or make one at all. And you have a lot of pick. It's kind of it's one of my questions. How often? And this is good for any any actor listening. How often do you get? headshots you seem to have a lot of them but that doesn't mean you get them that often interesting because see like i i feel like i don't necessarily have a lot of headshots so curious that you say that i um how often i would say it's now this is something that the um program i'm in is like maybe try to think about it a little differently so i'll say like i i think it the last headshots i got were like last year prior to that would be maybe like three years but um, one of our coaches in the program, he's not like my, my coach, but I've, I mean, they're, they're, and the program has things where people like interact with each other. So, hey, mm -hmm. I've heard of him. Um, but he's like, you know, think of your branding, your headshots as maybe more malleable than like, oh, I'm going to go spend like, you know, $1,000 doing headshots and I'm going to be attached to them forever instead of like, oh, I'm going to like, get headshots every so often and it's okay if I change them if that makes sense um because I definitely like I want to get headshots some different headshots that are um maybe a little more um uh, like instead of um thinking of headshots as like oh this is just like a pretty picture of me thinking of it as like and I, I do have some of these but thinking of them as like this is like the type of character that I would be with, like, I mean, the, the one that you see when you log on to my website, I feel is very me, because it's like, I'm wearing my glasses, and I'm wearing, like, a character tee, and, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's, like, not your traditional headshot attire. I also took some headshots in a, like, gray tank top with, like, messy hair to try to, like, attempting to have the more um like survival kind of film look because i have been cast most most of my professional experience has been in like dramatic stuff so um you know trying to like kind of match that uh like oh what have i been cast in this is what my headshot looks like because of that this is like the type of thing i go out for that sort of um pairing so um the next ones 
I'm going to continue into that, like to lean in that direction, getting perhaps a more um, like studious one that doesn't necessarily look quirky, but more like, you know, maybe like an office worker, for example. Um, and then more like girl next door kind of a thing. Um, you know, stuff like that. There's, there's a lot of ways that anybody listening who is an actor who's trying to like, you know, get more work, um, I would suggest that a headshot, thinking of a headshot instead of like as the, this is a pretty picture of me, thinking of like, what can I, how can I like portray myself to the person looking at this for a second and make them like stop on me because there's something about that shot that is more specific to what I submitted it for. Oh, I see what you're saying. It makes sense. I've heard that for 20 years, actually. I've always heard that, that um, I don't, I don't do them that often um, because I also had someone say, does it still look like you? Well, yeah. Okay. Then it's good. (laughs) You know, I think that's important, but what you're saying is also, I mean, you're gonna, to me, it's, you're going to send a different headshot to different roles. You know, you, you need yeah. to have some choices, I guess, is, is what I mean. Also, in like most if cases. it does, I, I also totally agree if it like looks like you still, I mean, like some of, like some of those headshots on there are like older, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think they still look like me. Yeah, they so. still look like you. Well, they, they, it's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. What, that's why I had that. That's why I was curious because it is hard to tell when they were taken. And that uh, that's also the sign of someone taking a good headshot. I mean, that's the other important thing about headshots. You want someone who does headshots to take them or a portrait photographer because they need to know how to make it look good enough that the, the, the person does stop. You're like, you get a second or two. So even, you know, yes, it's got to be the right headshot for that part, but it also has to be good enough that they're not going to go, they're just not going to keep flipping, flipping through them. Which is what, which is what they do, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, something I I say to people, if like we're discussing this, is like, well, first, like you obviously don't make it look like like if you see evidence of the photographer basically taking what looks like like a senior photo, like you don't want that, like you don't no. want it to look like this is like a picture right. in your book, because that's weird. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, like I so, something that helped me uh, plan for the most recent headshots I did was looking at the um, like other people, other headshots of actors who were similar to me and who I found through using IMDB Pro to see that like they booked something you know, like, okay, that's how I even came across across your name. So let's look at your actor's access and see what headshots you have and see like, you know, okay, so this is what's working for this girl. And so I'll like pull that and keep it somewhere and make a, what we call like a headshot blueprint and kind of like, you know, plan like, okay, if I want to have a, like when I was saying like a rugged, uh, like action fighty zombie apocalypse. I mean, that's that's a lot of description for 
if anybody would look at this headshot and be like, oh, wow, this is like not as specific as what I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I put. So like, you'll see, like, I have like a black strap on this part. I wanted it to look like I had something slung on my back. It's like very minimal, but it's just like, it's, it's supposed to be just a small thing that would make you, if you saw it and be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, hold on it for a little longer. Mm-hmm. The muted colors, the expression in the face, the type of hair, like being not at like, looking like I guess kind of like now which is this is just what my hair looks like um without like doing anything to it um the amount of makeup being like minimal very very minimal the background being well obviously blurry but it looks like I'm somewhere and not in like a studio right um Right. So yeah it's just like little little things like that like I was helping a friend the other day we were we were playing D and D, but we also were talking about some actors things. Um, and she really wants to like get into like period pieces, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna like look at your headshots. And so I said, you need to take a headshot, like at some point, have headshots that look like that. So I went and pulled some pictures of friends that I knew who had those. But a general thing is like you know the fabric that you have is like probably gonna be lacy it's probably going to come up to your neck. Um, just like more um, conservative in look. You're probably going to have your hair either pulled up in a like very loose way or um, down and look, look done in, you know, like professional lady kind of like Downton Abbey way. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then like, like maybe no makeup at all maybe just like a little bit of lip stuff and a little bit of eyebrow stuff but like you know very like like you just you just kind of say okay like and it's not like you're like oh i'm gonna wear like a elizabethan poofy shirt thing i i mean you know you don't have to be like that it's not about like being the literal character it's just about like oh this is my headshot where i appear to be you know a from a different time and I submit it when I see something like that but when I see something that's more standard character in their teens whatever then I do this one you know it's just about having like a small selection of options that kind of tailor you more to what they are looking for so when they are looking at all these people they see somebody that kind of looks a little more like maybe what they had in their head instead of like oh here's this girl like posing in a red t-shirt and she's like hey and now I have to like visualize what she would be like as this character maybe like maybe they'll take the time to do that but maybe maybe they won't so help them oh yeah (laughs) well yeah of course of course you want to help you want to help them as much as possible yeah um when I was doing headshots last, which it's been a while now, but I started looking at um, okay, what are the what are the actors I really like doing these days? Because headshots do change. That's something I don't know if if people are new to acting or they haven't done a lot of headshots. The mm-hmm. style changes every five years or so, which is an odd thing. Um, a long time ago, when I was a young actor, black and white was it. You, every headshot was black and white. Um, and then there was a thing about what background, like what color should the background be? And I think now it's a little more open, but the style does change yeah. uh, as to what's kind of acceptable <laughs> and what people are going to look at or not. 
But so I was looking at, well, so what do the professionals do? What, what do people, you know, like the big stars, what do their headshot look like? They don't oh. do them anymore. They, oh, yeah. They don't do them anymore. They're, it's all pictures just from, you know, standing in front of, of uh, uh, on a red carpet is a big one. And, yeah. It, it's all kind of candid shots is what they kind of, is their headshot now, which I, I thought was interesting. They, like, I get that. No I mean, it that. Makes oh, totally. In a way. But yeah. Um, yeah, when it comes to like, oh, like people expect a, like this type of background and like, I don't know, I've kind of been taught to like try to not like care about that sort of thing. Like, I guess if like there is all of a sudden like we went black and white, then like, you know, you probably don't have your headshots printed out anymore. You probably have them online and you probably are submitting them in that way. Just make it black and white. That's yeah, that's probably um, not going to happen again. <laughs> probably not. Not I, so much. <laughs> I feel like if there was like, I do think that was a little strange to be like, we prefer black and white. Like, why would you prefer that and not prefer to see? I don't know. The colors just just seems like would be something you would want over. Uh, it was, but I always thought that was really bizarre when. Mm. But it was long before your time. But it's like <laughs> the standard was black and white. Like you got black and white headshots. But that was back in the day when you did print them out. Yeah. And I think part of it. I mean, I could see that maybe some of it was they don't want to be distracted by lighting, and they they don't mm. want to like be distracted by overlit stuff um and now you know you never know i've i've asked a couple of directors about headshots and all they'll all they'll tell me is your ears are fine i mean (laughs) i don't get a lot of feedback really (laughs) i would say like you just if you like if you look like what the picture looks like and if the picture looks like it was taken by a person that knew how to take a picture who cares what the background looks like as long as there's no one else in the background or i don't know that sort of <laughs> weird thing but like i mean I, I i would i would say like some people feel like oh yeah i'm gonna like do the thing that's like you know i'm gonna try to get noticed i'm gonna like put my hands in it i'm like oh, like i don't know maybe that's not <laughs> nice, but um <clears throat> besides for that um yeah i i feel like it, it's not it's not as troublesome as maybe it once was i mean and especially because like you can you you probably more often than having the physical copy somebody probably has already seen your headshots through whatever digital thing you learned about a casting call from so you know then you just you already know that your headshot passed the test. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's, so, that's definitely true. Okay, you go. And and also, I I feel like a lot of people don't want you to print them and bring them because they're like, eh, we already have it on the internet. And I'm like, less work for me, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what I've never. That's what I've never been sure about. I've had every every uh, like acting coach. Uh, ad- advisor person i've heard has still says still to this day says don't show up without your headshot but if you show up with it you don't have to give it to them i mean that's the other thing you know if you show up to an audition and you don't have it and they're asking for it well then you're going to look like an idiot but if they're they are asking for it 
you really should have it with you. That's a, that's kind of my yeah. thing now. It's nice to have it with you. I think that's always good to just, I mean, like have a bag that you can keep crap in. <laughs> but um, I guess it's also something you can like, just like ask your agent or ask the people if you don't have an agent, what they do expect from you at the callback or audition itself. Like, do you expect that? Do you expect, like, like, do you want me to be off book or can I hold sides in my hand? Or, um, I don't know, can I use a cell phone for the prop? Like, you know, if you're, if you like feel uncomfortable with something, you can just be like, hey, I'm just gonna ask because yeah. I found that if you, like, I, I had a, I was in a general, a small general meeting with, um, her name is Laura Otten. Um, she is an assistant or a, a casting associate, not assistant, my bad, uh, associate to Wendy O'Brien casting. Um, and she, uh, so a lot of comedy things, um, and they're, they're very like kind people. Mm -hmm. Um, and Laura is super sweet and very just like, definitely makes you feel like, wow, people in Hollywood, maybe they aren't like that scary oh, person that I learned right. about when I was a kid. Maybe they're like right, not right. kind like, like her. But Laura was like, you know, it's always good to ask. Just ask me because I would rather you ask about the thing that you do not know about or the thing that is troubling you than showing up and doing some, like, and not having the thing that you were supposed to have or like, not expect expecting something else and it throwing you off your game you know like they're on your side essentially so it's nice to feel like oh hey they're on my side they don't want me to suck they want me to solve the casting problem so they want me to do well and i'm gonna help myself do well by being prepared <laughs> no that's perfect okay. that's I, I was uh you, you yeah. took the words right out of my mouth i was actually gonna put that in there there <laughs> They want to solve the casting problem. They're there to cast somebody. If it's yeah. you, they're done. They can go home. So, yeah, yeah it, it's um. I think that's always a good thing to to tell people uh, about auditions. Is they're they're trying to mm -hmm. to solve that problem. They're trying to get get finish the auditions. And if you yeah. go, you know, if you go in thinking, "Well, I'm the I'm the solution," it's helpful. You know, it it definitely oh, yeah. calms definitely. the nerves. Yeah, and I mean, it's a it's a way to like. Like, like you were saying, you know, you, you said you had an audition coming up and it's like the, I think I early on made friends with the idea of like, I have to go to auditions because I was like, there, there are a lot of people who are like, I hate auditions. I hate going, they make me nervous. I don't like, like, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't love them, but, um, I recognize that they're like a pretty common thing I'm going to be experiencing for perhaps the rest of my life. I mean, I don't know people still get asked to audition for things um even when they're really famous and stuff so right. hey you know it's like yep. make friends with it be be okay with that and, and then like also then like the more you do it then you're just like you know flexing the muscle you're practicing you're exercising it and you're getting more comfortable with that and then you know it makes it like not a big deal and I think it's like, <laughs> I've definitely, I've been in audition rooms, like as the person, the auditor, maybe we'll say, uh, who, oh, okay. is, 
yeah. Uh, and, and like some people are like, oh yeah, I'm great at auditions. So I'm going to come in and be all like cocky and you know, like that sort of attitude that's like, this doesn't like, I don't really like, I, I don't know that like, I guess I, what I'm trying to get at is like, don't go to the extreme of like, I love auditions. You yeah. I've heard, I, and and if like, you're, if you're overconfident <laughs> coming in, and you've already made all the choices that doesn't leave them anything like that. I've heard that specifically from directors. If you walk in thinking I've got this down and this is how I'm going to do it. And you forget that they're, if they like you, they're going to give you some direction to see if you'll take it. So, you know, you, you kind of got to remember that too, that you've got to be a bit flexible. Um, I definitely love auditioning personally because uh, I've, a few years back, I realized, and for one, I usually have fun when I get to an audition. I'm always very nervous going to an audition. The one I have now is self-tape. That's even harder because I have to go through all my own stuff and, and decide, you know, well, which one of these things is worth sending out. So I always thought that's harder. But <laughs> um, I love, I just love the, auditioning is still acting to me. It's, it's still yeah. a chance to perform. And, you know, as an actor, I do have an ego. So I like to hear, <laughs> I like to perform. That, that's a big part of it. And auditioning is that. And not only, I usually learn at auditions too. I mean, if it's, mm -hmm. if it's more than a, a, a line in a, in a commercial, then, <laughs> you know, learn, you learn something. Um, and because there's mostly, most of the time there's experienced people that you're auditioning for. So you, it's a chance to, to learn more about what you're doing. Yeah, I am. Um, one of the events that Career Activate put on, um, it's called a mastermind. It's kind of like a big workshop day. There's an element to it of like some guest speaker. And Susan Bluestein came during my first one. She is a um, casting director who um, most notably works um, on CSI, or wait, NCIS. Yes. Same thing, right? Same. You know, it's one of those shows. I don't, I don't know the difference. It's, that's I mean, I forget. I started, yeah. But anyway, uh, she, um, she was saying how, like, people, maybe, like, in the past, it was more like, you know, there, there was an element of, like, okay, I go into the audition, and I'm going to expect to get, like, the direction and stuff. And she said now she feels, like, very much more often than not especially for a part that maybe isn't as big as you know a series regular or something like that um they do want you to come in with your part basically like super ready to go and like of course they might be giving you some sort of direction or adjustment just to like you said like see how you are at adapting to what somebody asks of you but like they also just like want to know that you can do it without being adjusted and without having any direction given to you because like i mean like you were describing on like a commercial set and i mean i experienced this a lot when we did the murder show like a lot of times things are really just fast and the director isn't even giving direction they're more so directing their crew members and not so much the actors and what you do you get maybe like two takes and that's the end so they are like okay what like what do you what would you do if you did it right now 
right. <laughs> that sort of element of like, we don't want to feel like you need to be brought to like the standard that we're hoping for. If you're here, we, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's, I just yeah. meant you don't be too like locked into, I'm going to oh, do it this no, way, no matter what they say. It, it's, you know, you've got it. You just have to have some, some flexibility left in you at, at, you know, when you, when you're auditioning. I'm like Definitely. worried right uh, now. I've never actually, in, in my commercials, I've never auditioned. It's always been, we're doing a commercial show up here. So I've never, I haven't actually done that audition <laughs> process for commercials um, or industrial, same thing, industrial stuff. They look at my uh, pictures and resume and go, yeah, you, you can say lines, come do, come do this. <laughs> well, a lot of commercial auditions are more about what you um, can like improvise and improvise sounds very generous to like, by improvise, I don't mean like, like, Hey, can you be like funny and like make me like do, you know, that sort of type of improv. No, it's more like, can you look like you're like related to this person and have like a cookout with them? And cause like a lot of commercials aren't about like some, you know, obviously you talk in some, but in a lot, you're not talking, you're just kind of behaving and existing and like watching TV with your friends or, um, you know, like doing things that the commercial has a voiceover to do the talking for. Like maybe picture a, like a drug commercial and like all that B-roll. Oh my gosh. What was that? Uh oh, you all right? <laughs> Oh, something just, I think I have a package or something. Oh, oh, I thought it was your cat. Did you see my thing bounce? Uh, yeah, like, I heard. Yeah. I thought, oh, you, I thought you had a cat there. I thought, some. I mean, it sounded like somebody like hit into my, well, fell down. That it was, that's why I'm saying it was probably a package, but holy Oh, cow. let's hope so. Let's hope <laughs> someone didn't fall against your I, door. Every time my, uh, they're gone. Every time my, I'm like, Oh, I like look at my Fitbit to see what my heart rate went to because I'm like, oh, oh no. wow, That's I got funny. scared. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's not like. Well, hey, I have kept you on uh, for quite a while. I just noticed, I just looked at the clock. I just realized we've been we've been going for a bit. So I should probably wrap this up and uh, let you get back to your day. Surprised you. The, <laughs> zapped us away from our conversation i mean it definitely surprised me too i'm very sorry <laughs> no, no that's quite all right that's okay <laughs> it was, it was anyway, good it i was think good. i thought it was an earthquake and that's why i was scared oh but, yeah i ex earthquake. i've experienced yeah i was in the the biggest earthquake in the last 20 years when i lived in la so God. Um, yeah yeah the but, northridge quake i was down there and that happened it was terrifying yeah, it was really scary. I've had three since I've been here, and they haven't been as terrifying as they could be, obviously. I guess, I mean, like, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Nothing fell. No one got hurt. They're definitely very sea-sickening. Like, the, well, I don't like that part, but they're also pretty freaky of, like, oh, God, is this, yep. is this, like, where I, I 
I'm suddenly in like a disaster movie. Yeah, see, like, I didn't worry when I first moved to LA. I didn't. Around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I first moved there. I didn't worry about them at all. We had to like a three point and a little a four point. I, I had been to through a, two or three, and they were very small. And it was like, oh, I think we had an earthquake, which actually happens here too. We have small ones, mm. um, but then I was in the one that was a seven point two or something. Now I'm afraid any time there's the smallest... And then it also had aftershocks for about a day and a half or two days. And the aftershocks were bigger than any other earthquake I'd been in. That was not... <laughs> and that was a disaster movie. There were things exploding, um, dogs running crazy, because all the dogs just, they just run. Uh, all the cars stop. That's a scary thing in LA. It's probably... Ha well, it's happened now uh, in the last uh, several months. All the traffic stops. That's a. That's just not a good thing when you live in Los Angeles. No, it's really weird. Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre. Scary. Oh my god. Well, yeah. Yes. On that delightful note of talking about when we felt our lives were at stake. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So let me uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, you've been listening to. Were you still talking? This is Joel Albrecht, and on the show today, I had April Yanko, and you can find her website at, what is it, aprilyanko.com? Yes, A-P-R-O-Y-A-N-K-O. Uh, there you go. So you can find out a lot more about her, uh, <laughs> if two hours wasn't enough, uh, which I'm sure it wasn't, <laughs> then check out her website and all the other stuff. She's got stuff everywhere, YouTube and Instagram, if you've ever heard of that. All these, all these cool stuff. You're making me uh, sound very cool. It's... Well, that's my job. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> all right. So, thanks for listening. And as I always say, be good to each other. And my new idea is be good to yourself because uh, I know what it's like out there. I'm living it too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>